1: The hospitality industry has said around 40,000 workers left the sector in the wake of the pandemic and staff shortages are now a threat to the post-COVID recovery. Deirdre Curran is a lecturer at NUI in Galway and she joins me to discuss research she's conducted on the hospitality industry. Good morning to you, Deirdre.
0: Good morning, Patricia.
1: Uh, You're welcome to the programme. Was there staffing problems within the hospitality sector prior to the pandemic?
0: That is a wonderful question, because one of the myths that you hear bandied about is that staff shortages have been caused by the pandemic. And that's simply not true. So in 2019, before the pandemic, I conducted a fairly substantial piece of research on the lived experience of hospitality workers. So I'm just going to share with you a couple of stats here um, and remember there are human beings behind these statistics. So 77% responded experiencing verbal abuse sometimes or often, 64% psychological abuse sometimes or often and 15% physical abuse sometimes or often. So 15% is a low number but how often is it respectable and acceptable for someone to put their hands on you in an aggressive or intimidating way? 55% experienced or witnessed harassment, 64%, 63% witnessed or experienced bullying, 48% felt they had no voice at all, not even to make a positive suggestion. Um, and then there was all sorts of statistics around people not getting their basic minimum employment rights. So these issues have far preceded the pandemic. Um, but what the pandemic has done is it has caused what I'm, um, if you're pardon the pun, calling a tipping point. Uh, With the pandemic, hospitality workers had an opportunity to stop and think and say to themselves, what am I doing? I've been here for 15 years. What have I got to show for it? What are my prospects for the future? And people reconsidered uh, their working lives going forward.
1: So people, and obviously, then people were forced out of the industry. They lost their jobs at the time of the pandemic. So some, then, obviously, the retrained went into a completely different type of work. Yeah. And what they're now probably better paid as well, and certainly better working conditions. Is that what you're a- saying?
0: Absolutely, but but Patricia, those for a lot of people, and I've I've done a, I'm, I'm writing up a project that I did recently around hospitality workers who stayed in the industry versus those who left. The ones who left, it was often a decision of the head rather than the heart. Because if there's one thing that has been consistent in my research, when you say to hospitality workers, what do you like about working in the industry? It becomes very clear that they have a passion for Mm -hmm. hospitality work. They love people. They love customers. They love their colleagues. They love the buzz of delivering good service. They love the variety of the work. So those who left, and yes, they went to better paid, better conditions, uh, more predictable work life, uh, an ability to get a mortgage, all of that. Uh, but it was it was against their will, if you like, because they would have preferred to stay. And my argument is, they should be able to stay. So hospitality should be providing decent pay and conditions opportunities for growth and development, the prospect of a career where they can raise two children and put food on the table and have a mortgage. Uh, But unfortunately, that hasn't been the case for decades. And unless the industry reconsiders uh, what it's offering, we're going to continue to have these problems. Now, another piece of work I'm working on at the moment with a colleague of mine called Dr. Finian O'Driscoll from Shannon College of Hotel Management is a case study of good practice. So this is a hotel that has Uh, decided it's going to offer a different and better employee proposition, better terms and conditions, more voice, uh, better working hours, more flexibility. And uh, we're we're currently writing up the details of that. And if it turns out to be as good as as it's starting to look, it will be a benchmark for the industry because so much could be done, Patricia, to make this an acceptable and respectable and desired career. But but the industry, the suggestions of the industries, oh, let's produce more visas to bring in people from EU and non-EU countries to work in places that were unacceptable for our own employees is not the answer marketing, spending millions on marketing to second level students to say it's a brilliant career, you'll see the world with hospitality is not the answer either, unless they have cleaned up the industry before before any of those things happen. And and Patricia, there's a generational difference here. So where you and I may have gone in and done the hard slog and maybe The younger
1: people they, today will They will not
0: do it. Mm. They will not do it. They they want a different future and fair play to them. They want different working conditions and unless the industry again responds to that, the labour shortages are not only going to continue but they're going to get worse.
1: And the one thing I've noticed, uh, Deirdre, when you're out and, and about, I mean, mm. it's, it's very obvious that uh, places in hospitality are understaffed. The staff that are working seem to be under incredible pressure. They
0: are. So that project that I mentioned to you, Patricia, of uh, the people who stayed in the industry and the people who left, I asked them, one of the things I asked them was, if you were in front of a, a government task force, what would you say are the challenges that you are facing in the industry today? And they said things like being overworked and overwhelmed. So the people who stayed are constantly having to train in people who have been employed because they have a pulse, not necessarily because they have any passion or skill in the industry, uh, they're having to cover for, short, for, for shortages of staff. They're having to work twice as hard. Their working hours and their actual hours, there's a big gap between them. They, are, they themselves are still uh, concerned about the risk from COVID because you and I know that it hasn't gone away. So there's an awful lot of additional pressure. And then we have inflation on top of that, additional pressure on the employees who are loyal to the industry and stayed. And these are experienced. Um, skilled people. It drives me demented when people say that hospitality is unskilled work. My response is, you try it. Um, and they they want to stay and they want to do a good job and they want to deliver high service, but everything is mitigating against them uh, against them doing that.
1: So and there and there, I know there's an issue with people training up and they they're, they don't last a week. That that yeah. that's a real real problem.
0: It is. Uh, you know, because there's such a shortage. I mean, I've had employers tell me that when they advertise a post, if you turn up for the interview, you've more or less got the job, and that is an emergency strategy. But it's not necessarily a good strategy because that person, as I say, may not be suited to it. And then the people who are who are experienced are having to to bring that person along and cover up for. For you know mistakes that they're making, um, so we're having it. We're, we have a sticking plaster uh, approach to these problems when there were decades where the development of these issues were uh, were ignored. So uh, Adrian Cummins from the Restaurants Association himself said in front of an Eractus committee, "We've had staff shortages since 2012." So my question is, well, what 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 actions did you take to address those uh, in the intervening period? So, um, you know, people say there there's the myths around the industry. People say, oh, it's only a few bad apples. I hear this all the time. Well, if that's the case, those few bad apples must have employed a hell of a lot of people because everybody in the street that I speak to will tell you, oh, yes, that's true. That happened to me. And, you know, in the report that I did in 2019, it's written in a very accessible and user-friendly way. It's designed that a hotel kitchen porter can pick it up, read it, understand it, relate to it or not. And it's full of the voice of hospitality workers, because my motive for conducting this research, two motives. One is to give voice to hospitality workers who are being silenced. And two is to provoke a conversation that will lead to positive change that is for the benefit of everybody, employers customers, employees, society in general. So if you bear with me, I just want to read you out a couple of quotes, Patricia, because I always like to use the actual words. Yeah, And please these are do. un un-doctored words of hospitality workers. Uh, here we go. At a restaurant that I worked worked in, one particular guy was badly bullied. It affected his self-esteem, his work, his lifestyle and his sleep, and the quality of his life generally. For a good while, he stopped working out of fear. The second one, I'm treated like a horse as they feel I'm able to do five people's work instead of one person's work. It's so hard to work in a place that expects you to do everything. And the last one, verbal bullying disguised as banter happens frequently. Also, the way some staff speak about other members, usually lower ranked members behind their back is despicable. Racist, sexist, homophobic language being used frequently. So there's, you know, um, I'm... Uh, yeah, it's shocking and that's, that's only the tip of, oh, here we go with the tip, but the tip of the iceberg. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm like almost obsessed now about speaking up on behalf of hospitality well workers. Done. Well done, We well have done, all of yeah, these...
1: I, 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 Eilish, one of our listeners, says it's fantastic to hear your, your expert on the programme. Our expert is a lecturer at uh, NUI in Galway, uh, dear, dear to Curran. Uh, but Eilish wants to know low pay within the sector, that's another real problem, particularly with the rising cost of living.
0: It certainly is a a problem. And, you know, low pay has consequences. So people have to supplement their income elsewhere. They're not able to plan for the future. They have to put off life choices like buying a home or, or having children. Um, now that inflation has gone through the roof, um, and again, pardon the pun, people can't get accommodation in order to do hospitality yeah, yeah, work. So yeah. if you're arguing to bring in people from Europe and where are they going to live?
1: And I mean, to think, you know, last week we mentioned it that we have to have legislation to make sure that tips. Go to the people that they're intended to go to. Exactly. I mean, and, and I was even scratching. my said, "Why do we, you know, yes. common decency would dictate that if you give a tip to somebody, you go to the person that it yes. shouldn't be part of their wage."
0: Absolutely not. Um, and I was actually involved in um, uh, persuading uh, Leo Varadkar, and I have to give credit where credit is due, to uh, amend the legislation to cover. For the issues that hospitality workers face in relation to tips, because that's an issue that I covered in my research as well. Okay. Um, And the legislation that is emerging is actually it's quite a good piece of legislation. But that came from pushing and pushing. Well done. Well done. You've. And a lot of resistance. It has to be said from uh, from employer um, uh, associations. But then
1: yesterday I read that Fault Ireland has said it's targeting retirees and stay-at-home parents.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's not well, you know, we have to be, I, I wouldn't be necessarily against that strategy. We have to be as creative but we need to as, treat as we them right. can. We need to treat them right and we need to give them the flexibility. So if you have someone who retired early and they still would love to be mixing with people and would yeah. like to do a bit of work, we have to carve the roles to suit the individuals. Um, And we can't have them working, you know, 72 hours a week and we can't have them working halfway through the night. So we do need creative strategies uh, because the reality is there aren't enough people on the ground to do the work because... So many of them had to make the choice to work elsewhere. Um, but I do want to say again that it's not all businesses. And yeah. that's a case study of good practice that Finian and I are conducting. We need to highlight good practice because this is hotel, and there are many of them who are treating people with dignity and respect and wait for it, still making a profit.
1: You mm. know, this
0: isn't a charity argument. It's an ethical argument, okay. and um, Listen, and in fact, I think they will. You know, it will lead to bigger profits and more business success because people will stay, people will give. Uh, you know, will be more committed to the jobs that they're doing, and so to and me, therefore,
1: like, it'll be a much pleasant occasion indeed, for somebody visiting and and staying or, or, indeed, or eating in that restaurant.
0: Yeah, Listen, because if you're treated terribly and you've just been shouted at, or or worse. Uh, someone in the kitchen has grabbed you and pulled you across the kitchen, you're not going to go out and, and, and put on and your smiling. best smile and, and tell people that everything is wonderful and you have a nice day. Okay, um, listen,
1: I have a funny feeling we'll be speaking to you again, uh, Deirdre, but listen, anytime, thank, you, th- and thank, thank you for that. I really enjoyed uh, our chat and thanks for thank joining you. us this morning. Good morning uh, thank you to you.
0: for you. highlighting this. Thank no you,
1: problem. Bye-bye. All Deirdre Curran there, a lecturer at NUI in uh, Galway.